okay, I think I got it. <clears throat> I know you want it. <laughs> the thing that makes me what the guys go crazy for. They lose their minds the way I whine. I think it's time. Uh, 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 la, 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 warm it up, la, 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 the boys are waiting, la, 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 warm it up, la, 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 the boys are waiting, Mexique brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, it's better than yours, damn right, it's better than yours, I can teach you, but I have to charge my milkshake, brings all the boys to the yard, ow, okay, Go Miss Malachi, okay. yes. Oh, yes, girl. Know. Open up that little milkshake stand. <laughs> you know, that was for you, Dr. E. You know, thank we got our special you, guest. You. Um, you know, if you take a minute, and because of course I'm reading these lyrics, because I haven't listened to this song in so long, but why is she warming up the milkshake? Or is she talking about well, warming up the pussy? Like, what is, because mm. I was like, what? Oh, well, you know, no, no, think about this, think about this. Okay, so, you know, like, when you hit at the McDonald's, you get that milkshake there, right? There's a logic here. It is so solid, you can't drink it. It's too cold. So, you gotta warm it up. It's not gonna get through that straw, it's not gonna get into that mouth. So, so on a literal level, the milkshake is too frozen to be consumed. On a figurative level, you gotta do foreplay, you gotta warm up the system before you can, you know... Enter the Look at that PhD so, working. Look at that PhD, girl. There you Ooh, go. Want that PhD? Won't come it do through, it? girl. Yeah. That's that education right <laughs> yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. That's that education. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Two Save Queens, one of the few places in the posphere where we can have a conversation about politics, Latinos for Trump, and getting <laughs> dick during the times of the Rona. <laughs> I'm all at the same time. <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> y'all. Yeah. Um, I'm your host, Miss Malachi. I'm joined as always by my right hand, Judy Miss Deborah. Hey, girls. Hey. <laughs> and we have our special guest, the doctors herself, Doctor E. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. Yes. We got a doctor girl in this bitch. Yes, we keep and and ooh, and it's a Latin ex doctor girl. We keeping it intersectional. Yes. Yes, girl. Crossroads. Happy Crossroads. Latinx. We're at the end of Latinx Heritage Month, right? Next Heritage Month. Yeah. We got October two, three days away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just in Countdown time. Countdown begins. Just always right on time, right, girls? <laughs> right, exactly. Right on time. <laughs> um, so how did you like my intro song? Because I was thinking about like what else put cause I was trying to think what just speaks to Dr. What's gonna what is just the song for her? And I was like, you know what? I need a throwback because we um you we went to college together. You were my baby. Um, mm-hmm, you didn't overlap mm-hmm. with Miss um, Devereaux, but we go way back. And I was just we trying to think at that girl. time. I could, and I even went to Billboard. Cause I was trying to remember what songs were they playing back then. I couldn't because my memory is gone, girl. She's trying to eat blueberries. She got to watch. Gotta get your antioxidants, girl. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> well, but, well, the, the listeners need a little context, so I I yeah. couldn't pick. I I had difficulty picking a song. Uh, so I asked you to. <laughs> I wasn't gonna you under that bus. It's okay. It's a little um, pressure. People don't yeah. expect. Some people go too long. Some people just like you know they don't have the right one. They got because you got to fit something that's like you're gonna fit us, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We go all types of places with our songs, but I felt like that was a good song for you. What do you think? I, I think I'm just in my mind. I'm asking myself: Is this song indicative of my past or my future? Uh, or your really present? Ain't, it, ain't, present. It, it really, yes. it really, ain't, girl. That pre- that that milkshake cup is dry, girl. Oh, uh, oh no! <laughs> it has. Uh, oh, no. Girl, oh, no. it's been it's drank good. or it was never poured. But I'm, um, it. You know, Rona really. I, she she really put in a. She dried it. it up. Well, she, well, Ro- I want to get into that because I don't know if that's fully true from some things you told me over the summer but um well that was summer this is now oh, we fall. Oh, this is fall oh, <laughs> we are good the le- the leaves are changing we are full into the fall sis full full force full force into uh, the fall but i, I yeah maybe let's take a bit to say like, you know how we know each other you know we don't gotta get too you know you know two in the government about um real yeah. names and, um, <laughs> yeah, <you> know, yeah. <laughs> addresses and social security you know, universities um but we did meet your was it freshman year yeah, so I was a freshman, you were a senior, and you were like our, you know, head hen watching over us. Mm-hmm. And by us, I mean, you know, my fellow freshmen, queer people freshman of color. Queens. You know, queens at that year. Dick and heteros and all that uh, kind of stuff. The lessons oh. we learned. That fall was such a fast learning curve. Um, 
But yes, so, you know, you were senior, we were freshmen, and yeah, we, we were friends, but you were more than just that. You were a mentor, guide, example, um, and, you know, from then to now, and it continues. I know. Ugh. But I remember when I first met you. Oh, Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, Where was there I? was there was a student center that you were working, the front desk. Okay. Um so I arrived on campus early to do a summer program right before the start of my freshman year. And you were working that front desk at that student center. And I remember walking in, it was my and first I was just time. So friendly and nice. Man. Oh, child, everything but <laughs> <laughs> you could not be bothered. I <laughs> I was new. It was my first time in, in said student center. And I was asking, you know, what's here? What can I find? You were like, the computers are upstairs. And <laughs> oh, my God. So, really? you know, yes, girl. Yes. I thought I'd and, become more mean and bitter. Maybe I've always been that. <laughs> no, girl. The seed has always been there. It has only flourished since. Oh, wow. I love it. No, um, it's all good. It's all good. No, but, you know, it You know, it didn't deter you. No, <laughs> no. I saw you. it as an obstacle and I said, you know what? We're going to figure this out. Yeah, because I think early on, I think you spent a bit more time foraging. <laughs> um, but no, I've been so thankful for you. I'm just so oh, proud of you. Um, where you are, everything you've done. I mean, it's worth saying, we're saying you're a PhD girl. So you got your doctorate in comparative that literature. That and I you did. told me the like full extent of it, but I want you to do it because it sounded, it'll sound so much better in your words. And you know, well, you know, we and Ms. Deborah, we're bachelor degree girls. So we're just <laughs> yeah. Like, and nah, all of you yes. have spent more Look. time in university than we Look. could even do, girl. Yeah. We had to get out there and make some money. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Huh? It's true, girl. We did. We did have to get out there. I had to pay, there. I had to pay down them undergrad loans. I'm looking Girl, I can't go back for more. <laughs> um, so tell the girl listeners a little bit about what you've gone on to do. As, yeah, and you know you don't got to get too specific, but uh, is it what specific in regards to I think your um your f- focus, your concentration. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, you know, I I went into the PhD program straight through undergrad. Um, as an undergrad, I I participated in a couple pipeline programs that uh basically uh, are working to advance the number of underrepresented minorities in higher education. And so um, I was always a nerd, uh, which was interesting at uh, being such at a, at a place like where we went, where everything was pre-business, pre-law, pre-med. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was difficult to find that kind of space for just intellectual pursuit for the pursuit thereof. But I found mm-hmm. it luckily and really f- discovered that I really enjoyed the humanities and really thinking about... Uh, history, culture, and politics of Latinos in the U.S. Um, and in the Americas more broadly. So from undergrad to then straight into the Ph.D. program, um, did a program where I got both the master's and the Ph.D. simultaneously. It was in comparative literature um, for folks who are like, what's comparative literature? Uh that's the question I wish I knew the answer to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what was your under? What was your undergraduate major, girl? What was your undergraduate? So it it was both, it was both. comparative literature okay. and Latin American Latino okay. studies. Okay, and and, you, and underrepresented. Just tell the girls your ethnicity. What is your ethnicity? Just so. The- yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, because the girls aren't I, seeing you. Honey. Yeah, they can see no, that beautiful brown skin. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm, I'm Dominican American. Okay. Um, and in terms of are you yeah, are yeah, you so first I'm, generation, second generation? So I'm first generation. I was born on the or on the that half of the island and uh, immigrated when I was a baby and grew up in in the Northeast. Um, and so that typical kind of first generation uh, immigrant diasporic experience, where you know all my formal education was in English, yet I spent all my summers on the island and mm. in the Dominican Republic. Um, and so very much a uh, kind of bilingual. By geographical, um, by cultural, um, so you're kind of so you're not just underrepresented. Up. You're an immigrant girl. You're an immigrant girl too. Technically, yeah, I'm an immigrant girl. Yeah. I, she she is naturalized. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just I want the girls to know the full. She she got she got her citizenship, girl. But yeah, yeah. she has I, understands I, the immigrant experience. Sure. No, because we we had no. A few, I mean, you got to think. A few weeks ago, we had some Mexican girls on the show, but those girls are second gen or maybe even third gen girls. Yeah. So they're like, you know, born. So, but you have a different experience because within the. Yeah, within the, no, yeah. it is. It, it, yeah, it is. It, I, I do identify as an immigrant, um, in, in that sense. Um, and yeah, like when, when thinking about, you know, I, I was thinking about that episode in preparation to our conversation today and thinking about identity labels, whether it's Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, um, 
and I think you know immigrant status can play a major role into where mm. people identify in the in that spectrum for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's kind of inspired you to then, you know, go back to what you're talking about with um, comparative literature and your what your PhD is in to kind of study. Um, you know, you broke you broke out this word that I never heard of. What was it? Hemi- hemispheric? What was it? <laughs> Hemis- Hemis- <laughs> Hemis- I can't even say Hemis- it. She's like hemispherical. Hemispheric <laughs> studies, girl. Is that what you're trying to say, girl? So, no. so. <laughs> Hemispheric, uh, what some people call hemispheric American studies. So thinking about America, not only in U.S. America, but thinking about the fact that we have the Americas, North and South America Mm. and the Caribbean being part Mm. of that, right? And so when I think about America as an immigrant... um, uh, from my context, I'm thinking about the whole hemisphere. I'm, I'm always thinking both within the current national context, but I'm also always thinking about, well, how does this extend or how is it different beyond our national borders? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, that kind of, that constant jumping between that national and transnational context, that was very much a, a through a through line through a lot of my graduate work and and the the work I did for the dissertation. Yeah. Oh wow! You, you, why she do it? Come on, girl, come through with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, I I mean, we're gonna get back to this topic because, of course, we're gonna talk about you know the elections around the corner, and we are political girls, and yeah, there yeah. are a surprise a surprising amount of. We're going to call them Latinos. They're not Latinx girls. Latinos for Trump. <laughs> no, Hispanics. Those girls, those Trump girls are Hispanic girls. Hispanics They're Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, but before that, uh, you know, we started out the song with about, you know, a bit about milkshake. Milkshake. Like, how's your protein. milkshake been, girl? You know. um, so how's the summer? How, or just in general, where were you, you know, actually, maybe this will be that question we always ask guests where were you when the rona hit <laughs> when quarantine yeah. hit what were you dealing with and then how did that um how did you stay sane um mentally physically sexually <laughs> yeah so where i am now is miles and miles away like literally and figuratively from where i was when when rona hit so i'm currently living in south jersey um i moved back home uh, in the midst mm. of all of this that is happening. I lost my job. Um, and so it's a, it's a reality for a lot of people. It's my reality right now. So mm-hmm. here I am, you know, PhD in hand and I'm back <laughs> home living with my parents and yeah. trying to make sense of all of that. But back in, for, for me, Rona hit personally in March in so far as um, I was working, I was living and working in New York um, mm-hmm. and I was teaching at the high school level this past year. And um, it was my first year doing that and possibly my last. Um, Mm. And it was in March where we were asked to go remote. And so that's where it really started affecting me personally, where I was no longer commuting to work. I was, Mm. you know, doing lesson preps and teaching everything uh, via, you know, Zoom online at home. Mm. And so in terms of uh, work, it definitely had an impact where for me, excuse me, I really need that divide between my workspace and my home space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And to have had the two conflate into one, one into the other so quickly um, was really hard. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is scratchy. Uh, it was really hard um, thinking about creating boundaries in terms of like, you know, when does my work day start? When does it of my like small New York City one bedroom apartment? Mm -hmm. Like, do I allocate a particular corner to work or do I do the work in bed? Like as far as grading and whatnot. And it was really hard to find that balance and find that rhythm when all these like boundaries that I think kind of punctuated my day all of a sudden collapsed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. this is the case, not just for me, but it's, it's the case for many people. Um, and then you can imagine adding kids to the mix, um, adding other family members to the mix for those who are, you know, living with family members or in multi-generational homes. And yeah, it was definitely a, a difficult transition. I So we went remote in March and I would say I only started feeling comfortable by mid but by, by say mid-May and then the school year ended by mid-June. So it really took a, a, a learning curve in terms of feeling comfortable teaching online, but also feeling comfortable working at home fully. Um, and, you know, at that time, New York was, you know, hotspot number one. Yeah, it ground was zero. the center Again. of yeah, the epidemic. Yeah. And so, you know, there's all this 
change within my abode at home, but then there's all this also developments going on literally all around me mm. um, in the city where the, you know, the, the subway, people aren't riding it. People aren't doing Uber. People aren't doing Lyft. Um, restaurants are closed. And, you know, we all thought, or at least I shouldn't speak for we, I thought that, you know, it'd be a couple of weeks, maybe a month, but oh, what really? we're, we're, how oh, many months sis. are we, are we now like, about seven about seven months now seven seven eight yeah yeah. and so you know soon enough it'll be a year Mm -hmm. um and so that fantasy was not a reality in any way um and so it was interesting thinking about i remember at the beginning of lockdown in new york in the absence of any like information or, or at least verified information you know people i remember going to the grocery stores and putting on like double layers of gloves and like mm. masks and like having long sleeve shirts and hoodies, like really trying to like protect my whole body. And I knew it was primarily uh, airborne, but we, yeah. you know, we really didn't know to what degree it was transmittable by contact on surfaces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and just I remember the lines like I remember being in line at the beginning of things, trying to refill my, my medications at the pharmacy be in line for like an hour and a half and this was just like the local the local pharmacy what what neighborhood were you living in in new york i was in i was in flatbush in brooklyn a bk girl Mm. okay okay yeah so um to then you know i had been used to you know getting on the subway and going to like trader joe's or um or doing um you know doing groceries and, and things like that like on my way home from work now everything became literally within a four or five block radius and i was fortunate that i lived in a part of flatbush where there were a good number of grocery stores within my walking radius and a number of pharmacies so i you know i was i was fortunate in that sense but that wasn't the case for a lot of people and you know the i you know talking to friends at that time Friends forgoing, you know, making trips outside because of fear, because of fear of contamination, mm. of exposure. Um, and then, you know, you literally watch the news, you hear the radio, listening to NPR, and all you hear about is the body counts, the death counts in New York and the fear of the lack of respirators. And, um, we know, what else might come from this and, and you know, unemployment levels and so on and so forth. Mm. And so it was really really scary um and this was your first year in new york was this was my first year in new york too wow. yeah it was and so you know <laughs> way, way, way to start the year <laughs> a, a, a lot yeah really though um first and maybe last for a little bit <laughs> was, this, was, your fir- was this your first uh job after your doctoral program or this this was my first yeah yeah oh, after wow. grad school yeah yeah and oh, so wow. it was okay. a, i mean it was very much a year transition yeah, i mean definitely. you know processing processing the year the way I would describe it was a lot happened. It, it was too much too fast um, and things mm. that I had control over and things that I didn't. Um, and Rona definitely made the situation more challenging. At the end, you know, when I lost my job, I, I had the option of, you know, trying to look for work. But New York City rent, I was paying close to $2,000 for a one Tell bedroom. Him. Tell them, sis. And Tell I was him. like, what job am I going to find in the midst of this all that is going to allow me to pay rent and purchase food and pay student loans and you know all you know and it mm. was just like it i just i i can't do the calculus in my head and find an end result where it, it where things look stable and viable as mm. i said I, i'm done i'm out and yeah. so like many people uh leaving new york but also just migrating different parts of the country right now either temporarily or permanently so i'm back in south jersey uh, you know and i'm fortunate in this whole situation I've got family that have welcomed me back home. Uh, you know, I feel safe. I feel supported. And again, that's not the reality for a lot of people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Either currently or in anticipation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I've been thinking a lot about is a lot of the folks who right now are, you know, reaching their limit. And, you know, what and then? No stimulus bill in sight. No stimulus bill in sight. You know, we're too busy bringing in this, you know, the Supreme Court judge because, you know, priorities. Um, but no stimulus bill in sight, um, no help for the American people. And I'm just wondering about the countless families, right, um, who are already backed up in rent, um, who mm. may go homeless or may have to go and share spaces with family members where it may not be safe, mm-hmm. where it may not be supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think about what's happening to children, um, 
it, it's a lot. It's a lot. You yeah. know, so, you know, I, I definitely no, have not you've had, been through a lot, girl. Yeah. You know, I've been through a lot, but I, you know, but I am trying to but put everything a lot in context. Happened. Yeah. But the context yeah. is way beyond me. Yeah. Well, well, I actually, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of that though, what is the job market like for even pre Corona for a, humanities phd girl like what was it like for you Child. figuring out what you any wanted to PhD do girl. at any phd girl because yeah. <laughs> the, the girls know a lot of girls think like a phd is like a guarantee of like nah. wealth and and all of that and and is it is it and just to add to that like i re- i remember being a little jealous of you and a couple of our other friends because a part of me was like well here i am got this like ten dollar an hour assistant job I was like i should have gone back to school bitch like i should have gone and get that people like especially because i mean you you're a bit younger than me but like you know when i graduated it was right in this recession and yeah mm-hmm, you all kind mm-hmm, of graduated mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. later but there was still you know a difficult job market and i know a lot of people who were still kind of going back even if they were going back to get law degrees just go- going immediately back to school versus a lot of times what we were told pre-recession was oh go get that work experience and then go back mm-hmm, to school mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is not which is more for like you know law and like you know mba but mm-hmm. not so much but even i think sometimes for phd but it varies because sometimes for phd because it can take you know five to seven years versus like a two or three year um you know mba or law degree true they just like actually just get started girl so yeah i'm curious about all that yeah but- yeah so i don't you know it, it's so interesting making sense of or, or thinking back onto sort of my choices in terms of deciding to go to the PhD and, and, and finishing it and sort of where I am now. This question of, you know, does a PhD equal financial or employment stability? Uh, I want to preface by saying depends, depends, right? Um, are we talking about a PhD in humanities? Are we talking about a PhD in the social sciences versus the STEMs mm-hmm. versus business mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. versus in, you know, math or statistics, right? Each one, depending on, you know, what one wants to go do with that degree, one's training it and where you're also in the U.S., right, leads to different levels of financial stability. Like the reality is, you know, a humanities PhD is in no way or form a guarantee to social mobility and financial stability, right? Mm. And so one of the things... Yeah, no, no. I mean, and it's real. I mean, you know, and that's something that, you know, when I had students, um, as teaching students as part of my graduate training, you know, had a lot of really really bright, um, impressionable undergraduate students who, you know, were all about, I'm going to go straight into the PhD. And, and, you know, and I always preface my advice by saying like, you know, that's what I did. But, you know, for anyone listening, the reality is you can always go back to school, right? You can always go back to school. Um, there's no need to go right away and especially do the work on determining or figuring better, you know, figuring out like what are your options mm. going in and coming out of the degree. Um, and so where the humanities were in the U.S. when I started the Ph.D. versus where I finished, you know, more recently, you know, there's been an ongoing decline in terms of funding and support for the humanities point blank. Right. Uh, much of the funding that is being allocated both federally and in private funds is going to STEMs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so math, science, and technology, things of that nature. There, at the level of colleges and universities, right, there is an underfunding of the humanities going on. That's that's This is nothing new. This has been going on mm-hmm. for a couple decades, right? The question becomes why and, and, and who's responsible. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that's another conversation. But you know, you're going out into a job market as an academic or as a potential a- academic, a humanities a professor, that is, where not only are you competing with all the new PhDs, you know, mm-hmm. your cohort nationally and internationally, but now you're also competing with people, two, three, four, five, et cetera, cohorts behind you who don't have a tenure track job. Mm-hmm. And you're also competing with those who already have tenure track jobs and are looking to switch to schools. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I know of examples where I've had colleagues, you know, folks who were graduate students with me at my institution and other institutions who were applying for jobs that their advisors were applying to as well. Really? Wow. Wow. Right? <laughs> and so. And then there's it's also worth saying because I have watched, you know, I watched a little Hassan had taught yeah. this whole talk about like uh, higher education and the corp the. Ah, corporatization or corporatization corporatization is maybe the better word Mm -hmm. but this Mm -hmm. idea that like those jobs are less partly because the universities are also making a focus on tenure sorry on um adjunct professors like trying to which an adjunct professor 
doesn't get the same benefits, isn't tenure track, but so many classes are now taught by adjunct professors and it allows them to save money because it's expensive to have like a full professor. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the exact statistics because some of the programs that I did as part of a grad student was kind of career diversity exploration and thinking about the humanities. And I'm trying to remember the exact statistic, but I think it was in the early 90s, just to to, to be factual here, a my in the early nineties, a minority of at college and universities, a minority of the teaching positions were adjunct. Today, mm. the vast majority are adjunct, right? And mm. for folks who aren't familiar with the term, adjunct means that you're being paid on a contract per class, right? Um, and so you're not guaranteed that same class next semester or in the fall. Uh, oftentimes, with that contract, what you get paid is per class. So whether that class mm. has 15 kids or 50 kids, right? You get that five to seven to $8,000, depending on the wow, class, right? The same. <laughs> it, it makes no difference in terms of the enrollment, right? Um, and then, so as an adjunct, you're not entitled to employment benefits. You're not entitled to office space. Um, you're not, so it's just, it's their gig, their gig economy. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's like the analog gig economy, right? It's old school gig in some ways. Right. And so, you know, there is, so much that's been written about adjunct work and, you know, the exploitation of labor and what you end up having is individuals who love teaching at the college university level, who love doing the work that they're doing and who have committed themselves to doing adjunct work between three, four, five local universities and colleges mm-hmm. to find some sense of making stability. enough money, stability, <laughs> yeah. but you know, the toll that that has on you where you're like running between spaces, um, you're not guaranteed. I heard stories of them professors sleeping in cars. Oh yeah, sleeping (laughs) in cars. Um, And so it it is a very precarious situation and it it was part of, you know, the level of competition, the difficulty of of securing a quality tenure track job. Um, It is not impossible, but it is, it's it's difficult, right? So is that why some of the girls are leaving? They're yeah, like, and and and, it, and, it, and it's why, at least for myself personally, I wanted to explore teaching high school sort of at the high school level at a lead institution, and I I currently find myself I'm not sure I'm not I'm not sure what my next steps are. Part of me thinks, okay, you know, really go back to academia or actually give it a, an actual try. Part of me says I'm looking at academia five ten years down the road, and the picture's not looking cute because. COVID mm. is going, you know, COVID is is affecting kind of the body, you know, the physical bodies of Americans, but it's also affecting the body politic. And then it's also affecting mm. the 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 wellness of many of our institutions like colleges, universities, right? Mm-hmm. Who, but, have, who are so, like, I can't believe how many of them are so ready to just have those students back on campus. Because they and don't have like, a choice. Are they, are they also like, oh, no, the one that really killed me or was like. At least that's how they frame it, you know. Yeah. But well, with some of those endowments, which endowments are like the huge funds that uh, not all universities have, but especially the private ones have, and that goes that's that goes toward you know gyms and dorms and yeah, you know yeah. new. Uh-huh, uh huh. But it killed me how like oh like how many of those Ivy League schools even were like oh y'all are gonna take virtual classes, but we're gonna charge you the same. And I was like, how are you charging them? the same amount like i get it it's like oh you're going to harvard or wherever but i can't believe i mean do you have any you know because i i think what it is girl just as like a more finance girl here like do it girl i I think no (laughs) what i what i think it is is though they obviously the universities have fixed costs like a lot of fixed costs right Mm -hmm. and then on top of having the fixed costs they only want to take down a certain level of their endowment every year and a lot of them are very rigid about not not wanting to take down more of their endowment than they, you know, even though they should, because like even the foundations can be like this too, like where they only want to take down a certain percentage of their endowment every year. And so COVID made it so by take down you mean basically use it use it spend access access it it and spend it yeah and also because covid at the beginning of the crisis was hitting the endowments because most of the endowment is is Mm -hmm. invested in the market and so that made the university girls like the administrators wary of drawing too much down from now the stock market is booming again but at the beginning it made them wary of drawing down from their endowments too much relative to a normal year you know that's what my hypothesis so so there's that for sure absolutely right there there you know limits into how much they want to tap into their endowment 
because you know that's their nest egg right like right, COVID right. ain't helping but in in theory and, and in reality could always get worse right um but the also thing to keep in mind is like any and again uh, miss malachi to go back to your point about the corporatization of the universities like any business right your financial plan is not limited to that year alone, right? Your plan has been set out five, 10, 15 years in ahead, right? So in many ways, these schools are charging tuition, but it's part of a larger picture. It's not just this year. Like we need to reach certain goals this year so that we can continue on this plan for next and the, and the subsequent years and after, right? Mm. And so it's about also not just what's going on now, but what has been, you know, budgeted going forward. Um, and not to mention, even if, if it's a particular school that has already accrued any deficits or losses, right? Accounting for that as well while making budget cuts or changes. It's, it's really complicated. Like, like it's you know and it's interesting it's interesting too because we now we all have a mutual friend too who's a phd girl who's more in industry so had you ever considered that dr e like going into like yeah. corporate or industry or that type of tea too or not had you thought about so that? yeah we yeah yeah so uh you know and i think we're thinking about perhaps the same mutual friend uh um, yes and yes, he, we are. yeah you know and he, and after um his PhD in social sciences. He went into kind of corporate um, and has done really well. I mean, part of it is is a couple things. Part of it is like, if I'm going to be bleak and honest, part of it is like skills. Like I don't have quantitative, you know, mm. uh, statistical. Uh, and a lot mm. of that, make, making that transition into the corporate is, 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 you know, incumbent on you having exposure. Now that doesn't say I can't buckle down and learn those skills. Absolutely. If I make that choice. Um, also, in terms of making that transition, one of the things that the humanities has, and I think, I think from my perspective, one of the reasons why we have been seeing cuts to the humanities is because I would argue that humanists, myself included, we have not done the best job at making clear to the public the value of our skills. Yeah. First of all, yes, knowing what our, knowing sure. that we do, you know, one acknowledging that that what we do, that there's a skill set there. Two, naming, describing, and explaining what those skill sets are to other people, and then making a case for why those skill sets would be a benefit to X company. Mm. Also, another thing that you'll see a lot of hesitation uh, by humanities PhDs to make the transition to corporate is there's a culture there where in the humanities there is a standing kind of anti-capitalist or mm -hmm. critical of capitalism and thus mm -hmm. the corporate world. And a lot of people see making the transition to the corporate world as somehow selling out. Mm -hmm. um, I personally mm -hmm. don't see myself in that way because I, I recognize that I have larger issues here. I have student loans. I have parents who are aging and thinking about, you know, when when they get older, because there's no retirement fund for my parents, right? And right. so, um, thanks America. And thanks America. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm not opposed to making that transition to corporate. I'm mm. I'm I'm actually in the midst of exploring what some options might look like. Because you're not you're but not a communist you're not a communist girl then you're not oh. a communist girl. girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, not doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That's I'm joking. I'm joking. Like, girl, let's do it. Let's do. Wait, wait, wait. We got a girl out to give us. Let's do it. Marxism, socialism. Socialism. Let's do yes. socialism. <laughs> All right. What's gonna what's the hybrid model? No, we're gonna say that. Yeah, show we're saying that. We'll do another show. Girl, derailing this fucking show. No, but I well, before we move on, I did want to say what because you literally didn't even meant right there. You didn't mention what those skills that you think the humanity humanities bring to larger society or the public what those skills yeah are. yeah so depending on one's training right like i know things that i can talk about are you know facilitation skills right i think about uh, cultural liter literacy and cultural sensitivity um i think about um analysis um research i mean especially on the on the you know data collection at least in in the in the qualitative sense uh, research, writing, uh, so communication skills in general, mm. um, and, you know, pulling on your skills from the classroom if one has had teaching experience. Again, facilitation, instruction, possibly even group management, um, because you've had mm. that experience of managing a class, and especially if there's been a like, larger group projects and, you know, working. But, you know, it's about, it, it, it's a difficult balance of one, the, you know, said, you know, uh, imagined humanities, PhD graduate of identifying what those skills are right. uh feeling confident in those skills and then making those skills legible to said yeah. you know corporate yeah, employer that. right um, literally there it's a process yeah. of translation absolutely um but definitely that cultural liter i mean that's i mean everyone's talking about diversity and inclusivity and 
lack of trying to make amends reparations i mean i feel like that's those conversations aren't going away um and they're only no. going to become, as we continue to mm-hmm. become a more diverse um country, so they're only yeah going to to and that's important and and that's one avenue of kind of corporate work that i'm i'm currently exploring because i've got a colleague who's gone in this direction basically kind of these kind of consulting firms that work with corporate you know corporate organizations on equity and access issues so whether you know, partnering with uh, independent museums um, and thinking about how to make their programming more accessible. But then again, here we're talking about the arts and we know the arts are, you know, really struggling right now. the arts is on the table too. Uh, The arts (laughs) on the table or thinking about, um, thinking about, you know, diversity training or, you know, facilitation within certain corporate spaces. Mm. Um, So that is something that I think I find interesting because it directly links to my research, thinking about um, race colonization decoloniality and how that is lived and practiced in the contemporary moment and in the present um but i mean yeah i think i'm at a not a crossroads that sounds really pessimistic but it's crossroads pessimistic i feel like we're all kind of i feel like yeah miss rona has put a lot for me i I talked about a lot on the show and i think one of our listeners miss keisha given us this question about what is this time taught you or what have you gained from this? And I felt like perspective. Like I think Kusuna mm, mm, really mm, told mm. you what matters, what things you think yeah, you, definitely. you thought you wanted or you thought mattered, and they actually don't. Um, because however we come, whenever we come out of this, we, we will. You know, Mister Ever always needs to remind me that there will be life post Rona, but I still think that life is going to be changed, and you know, you yeah. can't just throw away a year of lockdown and be like, all right, no, back to normal. Sure. <laughs> You know, um, and pers- yeah, absolutely perspective. So I think Crossroads isn't, but I understand the idea of like, you know, trying to figure out what's next. Um, yeah, I guess so. The way that I would describe myself is I feel like I'm at a pause right now, right? Like, okay. I, I don't feel like I've digressed or fallen back, but I also am, am being very cautious about what steps I'm I'm, I'm willing mm. to take next Um, to really think about, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so if you have any job offers, um, feel Girl. free to send the t- <laughs> Send them on through. <laughs> we'll pass them on to Miss Doctor E. Um, but girl, this is so much to like have on your mind to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is what have you been? How have you been able to stay sane? Like, you know, let's get into one of those other topics about like, mm-hmm. you know, especially during the <laughs> summer. How did you? Okay. Um, you so know, the dick girl, the dick girl, the Corona dick, the COVID <laughs> dick girl. What, what's C- up with that? The what CD. You, what's up with that girl? The CD. Um. <laughs> So, <laughs> that's the CD. <laughs> How's your CD, girl? Um, so, <laughs> you know, like I said, that you know, this this had been my first and most likely last year in New York, and you know, there was so much in terms of newness um, and transitioning and exploring, and something that was new for me this year. Uh, pre and through COVID had been polyamory and polyamorous relationships. Right? Oh, what um, does that mean for the girls who might not know? So polyamory can mean a lot of things to different people, but it is essentially, as I understand it, as I at least practice it, right? <laughs> from my uh, practice. From my practice and perspective, you know, it's, it's finding yourself in relationships, in, in, in a multiplicity or multiple relationships with several people. And that can be me dating several people to which I'm the only person connecting, or it can be a situation where I'm dating someone and another, and we're all dating each other, or mm. me joining a couple, or, you know, it, what that configuration can look like. I mean, if, if you can think about it, it, it can form. But for me, you know, polyamory is, is in some, for me, again, I'm speaking for me. It is, <laughs> for it who? is, for, uh, for me, polyamory has been a questioning of monogamy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and while also interrogating monogamy, interrogating this notion of what is really common for us in the queer community, open relationships. Mm. Um, because I don't see polyamory Polyamory and open relationships can be one and the same, but in my mind, mm. I see the, in my mind, at least as, as I experienced it this year, it, it was a little different. And, and, um, and, and, and I say that insofar as like when, when I think about an open relationship, it's, I can do what I want, where I want, how I want, when I want, right? Mm. And I can come back home to the, my partner or partners. Um, the way I experienced and practiced polyamory this last year, it wasn't so much that. It was more, 
I am dating a set of individuals and we are constantly communicating communicating with each other about what is going on between us, but also between the different members of, of the unit, if I can call it Come that. On, unit. And what is mm-hmm. going on between me and other you know, mm. prospects beyond uh, that kind of agreement. And um, this was like a newer development for you. Oh, this you was my first time experiencing mm-hmm. it. I mean, I, I literally went years, like, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. being really judgmental and being really shady. Mm. When I would hear about polyamory, I would cringe and I would be like, oh, that's that, you know, that's, y'all Same. just that's white. Greedy. That's a white gay shit. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to say it, girl. Tell the truth. You were about to say that shit. Miss Malachi, I just said it for you. Girl. Thank you, thank you. So you know, oh, that that's not for me. You know, as yeah. as, as a brown skinned girl. Um, but... <laughs> My parents were married. I gotta find me a good man. <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of that kind of kind of vitriol and judgment, I now understand of like when I would hear about polyamory, it had less to say about the people I knew who were in polyamorous relationships, and it had everything to say about me and my own insecurities. Mm-hmm. The fear was, oh, if I'm in a relationship and I open it up, we bring in a third. My mind was always, well, that third's going to come replace me. Um, Still my man. Mm-hmm. And this had to do, I now realize, like, I, you know, this, I'm thinking about this, was my first exposure to polyamory was MTV True Life. I'm in a polyamorous oh. relationship. <laughs> Y'all remember those series, the MTV documentaries? Oh, yes. oh, yeah. They were... On one end, they exposed me to so many things I had never known. At the same time, I don't know who they hired <laughs> to do that work. But so I remember in that episode, or that one of the couples featured was a gay couple, and it was two gay men, uh, two gay cis men, and they brought in a third. And by the end of the episode, a so there was A and B who had been together, and they brought in C. By the end of the episode, B and C left a and a was left all alone and in my mind i was like that's me that's gonna be me. be me and it won't be me because i refuse hamas like never right <laughs> and so a lot of my um insecurities about polyamory were coming from a place where i didn't have a lot of formal dating experience and by that i mean a lot of communication experience right because mm-hmm. dating and communication really go hand in hand and so i found myself in moving to New York, I found myself in a space where more and more people were practicing polyamory. So Hmm. I had access to it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, compare New York to say fancy farm, Kentucky, like, you know, tell me otherwise, but there's more polyamory, at least explicitly going on in New York. There's more people. Right. Yeah. And I was starting a new job. I was making a transition from teaching at higher ed to teaching at the high school level um and i just saw that i had a lot going on but i'm human and i wanted to explore relationships i was like finally i had needs right um and so what i realized polyamory for me at that time was i wanted to experience that intimacy both both interpersonal and also sexual Mm -hmm. um but I also knew that, like, I wasn't at a place mentally, emotionally to be anyone's number one, right? Mm-hmm. And that it would be hmm. selfish and irresponsible of me to expect or to lead someone to conclude or assume or, 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 or you know, to lead them into believing Thank that you. I, I yeah. was their number one and could be their number one, right? Oh. When I knew I wasn't, right? Um hmm. So Look would... at the humanities, girl. Look at the humanities. Woman, <laughs> wow. that critical this... thinking, girl. Oh, I was just yes. about to say, won't that critical thinking get you? Yeah, and... humanist. <laughs> and so it was. I guess for me, I- I- embracing polyamory was about, you know, embracing and and acknowledging and and working through some of those insecurities, and then also mm-hmm. kind of giving voice to what my reality was. Like, I do want to be in a relationship. But I'm not at a place like at w- where I was then to be anyone's, you know, individual partner. But I didn't want something more open ended and informal. I wanted a relationship, but I wanted it. Mm. I-, I wanted to be able to give what I could and and that be OK. Mm. And so I was fortunate. Um, I met a-, a set of guys at one point. Uh-huh. I-, I-, I was dating three guys. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I was very transparent about, you know, who I was dating. Um, and just to the most, for the most part, they all met each other at one point or another. Um, and it was, you know, it was, 
me dating the individual three guys, it wasn't an arrangement where like the three guys were dating each other as well, though, right? Mm. Though that could be in some other permutation, mm-hmm. I would imagine, right? And, and this continued over the summer. And this continued, yeah. So this started off like November of last year, mm-hmm. and that's when I started I, where I where I began a relationship, began seeing a guy who was in a relationship with another guy. And so I was in some ways, um, I don't want to say joining that relationship because I don't know if that's the language that they would use, but I, I, I was, I was becoming a participating. Yeah. I was, I was becoming a part of that relationship. Um, where, where I was, Miss Malachi, we got to move to New York, girl. Miss Malachi, <laughs> we got, we got to move to New oh, York. So, girl. you ready for some polyamory? <laughs> no, but just the the, well, the, I, the the buffet of men, the buffet. Uh, you know, well, like the, the options, like the, buffet. the yes. options. If I, if I may take a pause real quick, because uh, uh-huh. I, I definitely want to talk more about it. But I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on polyamory? Have you ever explored it? Have you ever experienced it? What examples do you have of it? Like, who, who, whose show are you on right now? You ain't fucking <laughs> you <on this. laughs> Yeah, girl. I'm a I'm a regressive girl. I'm a regressive girl on some things, girl. Let's go back to you, girl. No, I'm a, I, I, I'm a regressive girl. Yeah. You know, we're saved, honey. No, I. <laughs> you know what I'll say? I'll say this. I'll give a little bit. I will say that I have thought. I've never been because I think I've talked last week about being a little Disney Disney fied or just like that day of like oh I'm gonna mm, my one true, true man, um, but I think as you get older you realize there are a lot of options out there and maybe you don't know whether one person will potentially have everything you want so I think I'm more open to the idea of a more open relationship but I don't know um uh, right now child I just look for a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I'm just working for that. I'm working for a date. Call me back after, you know, (laughs) (laughs) first date. So it feels like... Round two. Yeah, let me get to that. Um, But y'all, so you were... So yeah, that, you know, so so I I began exploring that in November when I started dating this one guy. And then by February, I started dating a second guy. And then by March, I was dating the third okay so mm. then so then you weren't really like because you've i've heard you know we've been talking you know and it feels like okay this is kind of like safe corona d i mean because you're kind of like this is almost like relationship d during the Rona time <sighs> so you're not really being oh were you well, being a little were you being a little reckless no 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 it, it, it's not a question like did you have your mask it, on? <laughs> 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 okay so this is complicated because uh-huh. you know i i don't want to I feel like here I feel like the responsible speaker. Like I don't want listeners to like. Oh, is include... that what you came? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be you came someone. Yeah, you're, uh, like, you're like um, respectability. No, no, no. It's not about respectability. I'm trying no, to get no, job no. offers. Uh, uh, no, no, no. It's not about that. It's, girl, we, it's, it's... we didn't use your government, girl. Just go no, no. and tell us the truth, girl. Girl, they got vo- the they got they got voice identification software, but no. Oh. <laughs> No, no, no. those algorithms, girl. Yeah. Those algorithms will get you. No, no, no. But the point I want to make here is like, I, you know, whether you are in in a polyamorous relationship, a monogamous relationship, open relationship, um, if you are meeting up with people, like there is a risk there. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to overlook that. Right. Um, and so in the midst of COVID, like in conversations with the guys that I was dating, like we had these conversations multiple times about, you know, what is the level of risk that we feel comfortable with? Is it just us? Is it us and, you know, side pieces and encounters that we have? Um, Come on, side piece. And what I found, you know, what ended up being was that, you know, over the course of, you know, like I said, Rona really started hitting personally for me in March. Um, and then I left New York at the end of July. So across that, that those months, it was regular checking in with, with my partners. Um, just as, just as you would regularly, I would hope, and I highly encourage you, if you have multiple partners, regular partners, that you're really checking in about everyone's sexual health and getting checking tested. Checking with your fuck buddies, girl. Checking with um, your friends with Having those conversations, you know, Rona is now just another couple more minutes part of that conversation as well mm. of like, you know, are you going to go get tested uh, not only for, you know, HIV and STIs, but like when was your last COVID test? And again, just mm. because you got tested for COVID yesterday doesn't mean you in the clear today. But mm. it's about, you know, having a record at least of, you know, one's 
exposure or the lack thereof to okay. to COVID. And so it was this process of like constantly checking in about, you know, I, you know, hey, I went in, uh, my results back negative. Okay, cool. Like, you know, I went out Saturday and, uh, you know, met up with these guys mm-hmm. and this happened. I'm gonna thinking about going to go get tested on Tuesday or whatever. Okay, so you weren't as trash as I thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, okay. I was, I was, I was trying to be responsible. I don't know. I, okay. I think, I think. But girls got knees. And you know, the and, girl, the, I well, mean, you weren't going to any of those COVID parties. No, 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 ma'am. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, God. Um, I mean, <laughs> Yo, when that stuff came out, I was like, not even a mask. Like, like, I, like, I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe the DJ, I can get, the DJ, the, the DJ was on the DJ, mask. you know, and I'm like, okay, maybe I, you know, I can in some part of my mind, especially at the beginning of COVID where we didn't realize, you know, how, how, how crazy things could be. Um, people taking risks and going out, but I was just like, not even a mask on. Like, I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not here to judge people's choices and whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people, People make choices. You're not and, here to shame. And I'm not here to me shame. Me and Ms. Devereaux are. <laughs> <laughs> Your humanities girl. Humanities girl. Liberal It's about, girl, it's about you know, yeah. you gotta do, yeah. being, you know, finding empathy, empathy uh, in oh, the others. Okay. Yes, um, yes. I mean, I mean, but, but I think, I think at, at the center of this is, is, is a fundamental question of like, we are humans, we are social creatures and like, mm-hmm. what, what? There, there is what is. What are we supposed to do? What are, yeah, what are we supposed to do? Like, on one end. I need that D. (laughs) Just not that C D, girl. Just the D. Not that C D. Not that C D. Not that C D, yeah. Only the D. Um, Only the D. And here, I, you know, I don't mean to play devil's advocate or, or like, you know, but it's like, you know, sex included or aside, like, we are, you know, we are social beings. We are social creatures. Like, there is something to be said about in person communication mm-hmm. and physical contact whether it's a hug or whether it's you know a little more than a hug um uh-huh. and and so I, I think that that's in the midst of this all i think it's such an interesting thing to think about of like you know i, I like my mind is switching to spanish here like atacuando like until like what what are the like individually like what is everyone's limit or like you know and and then what does that mean for socialization? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, I think that's totally, because I mean, when it was like, oh, it's just the summer, y'all. Like, then we had a girl who we were like, oh, maybe we'll go to Portugal in the fall. Maybe we'll go to t- <laughs> like, and then you're like, oh, girl, what? It was November now. All right, maybe mid 2020. You know what, girl? 2021, that's when we're going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, how long are you going to wait, girl? I mean, at this point, I might just, I'm going to just finish out 2020. <laughs> <laughs> go and finish that script, but, uh, girl. Go and finish the year clean. But I mean, 20, I mean, we're about to be a year out. Like March isn't that far from now. Like we'll be in 2021, and like we're probably we're still going to be dealing with the Rona. We're I mean, still I, the way I'll, things are going. I'll be frank. I don't. I think we're 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 in the thick of this at least in, until the end of next summer. That that's what I'm feeling. Mm. Yeah, the I agree end, with that. The I end, agree with that not too. not the beginning. Yeah. So we can you know go to Puerto Vallarta in July. No, like I'm thinking like fall time next fall. Like yeah. we will have some sense of like okay, we've got either the medical the care or vaccine or you know but um i don't oh, we're see... just so used to it now they're like all right girls yeah. get your mask make sure you get your mask when you leave the house <laughs> yeah well i mean that's also that i've been reading some interesting things about you know like in parts of asia there, there's there's the culture of masking whenever you are sick whatever the illness may be and that was never the case in the u.s and like wondering will people continue those you know will this be a momentary cultural I shift so. or i think so. i mean some of the southern girls the southern uh, girls are, they're gonna be on some you know some of the some of the red uh, state girls freedom, are gonna do their own freedom. thing uh, you know i don't want to be no slave y'all gonna have uh, me be no slave wearing yo, this mask the um, false equi- <laughs> yeah, the false yeah. equivalencies are just ridiculous yeah but the coastal girls i think we're gonna be mask girls for it for going for forward. sure i'm gonna be a mask girl on a plane probably indefinitely oh like, that's a good flying. point i think i'm gonna be a mask yeah, girl on a plane maybe like in certain settings like in a grocery store in the winter time i might be a mask girl like mm. in 2024 25 you might see me with an n95 on you know at the trader joe's like <laughs> if it's winter time and flu season why not like why not oh man oh my goodness well i could just talk to you all day girl and we definitely i think we'll have you back because we got to do our um socialism communism. <laughs> i'm down for that i'm down for that oh um, i'm down for that but uh, you know, we try we try to be more concise girls these days. So <laughs> you, gotta, yeah, you gotta keep it yeah. tight, keep it right, keep it tight, yeah, keep it right. You know, keep it tight. Uh, so always, always. 
<laughs> you know, keep that milkshake tight. So um, let's get into thoughts and prayers. So you actually have thoughts and prayers for our, us and our listeners. Let's hear it. Please. Yeah. So my thoughts and prayers go out to, you know, specifically single parents out here Ooh. trying to make sense of Rona, right? Trying to manage you know, their kids' schoolwork and their own work. Um, mm. You know, I've been really livid with these conservative talk points that people who are unemployed don't want to go back to work because they just want to live off of the system, quote unquote. And I'm thinking about family members here who all they want to do is get out the house and go back to work, right? Mm. But they can't mm. when you have a five-year-old, right, who you have to be next to for all of school, right? How can you do that, right? You mm. can't afford childcare if you can find childcare that's available in your area, right? You know, so my, And that's my, probably going to be even harder with, with to do safe. Absolutely. You know, you know. So my thoughts and prayers are really going out to all the families with kids um, and especially single parents and single moms who are really trying to make make this work. Oh wow, that's real. that was so good. Yeah. Thank you for um, that, girl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, Miss Deverell, you got some snaps for us. We got who got snaps? Yeah, so I do want to give two snaps because we haven't we hadn't really had a chance to talk about it. But for Miss uh-huh. uh, Senator Kamala Harris, of- yes, oh yes, yes, yeah. You know we haven't we hadn't we didn't get the chance to talk about her last week. Yeah, we I know. I keep kicking it, y'all. We're gonna do it next week. We're gonna we recorded earlier, but yeah, she really held her own against Miss Mike Pence. Uh, she did let that motherfucker interrupt her too many times. Like she did get a couple. And- I'm still speaking. I'm speaking, Mister. Yeah, yeah. She, exactly. She she stopped that she stopped that queen and from interrupting her and and you know and she did what she had to do she didn't go too hard not to not to fit the angry black woman stereotype because i know they were worried about mm-hmm. that the, you know and so she held her own just so that mm-hmm. they can keep the lead right mm-hmm. and that's that was what her goal was she hit her goal and i just want to give her two snaps for that all right yeah on, because of course i mean if she had come out too hard, like, of course, no. the stereotype would have been prescribed to her. Like, does she have the personality fit for office, office. to be so exactly. All that no, bullshit, no. all that white, the all that white for, bullshit, you know, all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and just side note, flies yes, are a sign yes. of the devil, but that's all I'm going to say. Honey, honey, six, <laughs> yeah. six, six, six oh, all day girl. on his head. And one, and one flew on, one flew on Miss Amy Coney Barrett today at the hearing. What? Was landed on her. Yes. Girl. Yes. Girl, let me the go. Sign, I'm going to read Apocalypse. The Antichrist is out there doing the work, girl. She's been working hard. I think she might be Miss Amy Coney Barrett, girl. I think that might be her. I do. For a lot of reasons. We'll talk about it on another show. I think it might be her. Testify. We're going to get into that. With that, that's our show. Um, Follow us on social media at 2SaveQueens. So where can can the girls... (laughs) Cause I know you're, I know you're off the, you're I'm, I'm an off, off the I'm, mat, off the grid girl. I'm you're an off, off the, the grid girl. I ain't got no but social you'll be media. Back. You'll be back, girl. I mean, you'll be back. back. No, stay no. away. Social. You don't need to give them. I, well, no, you'll be, you'll you. be back on with us. Oh, what yeah, I'll yeah, say. Yeah. You'll be on back on with us I, at some point. Yeah. It, it was a pleasure. I'd love to come back anytime. Girls, y'all can forward all your condolences, <laughs> your thank yous, your job hires, questions about academia. I ought to ask them. A-S-K-T-A-G-M at 2SayQueens.com. We'll pass that along to Dr. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But seriously, thank you, girl, for coming on. Um, Yeah, I appreciate you being so open and really, you know, know, telling the girls about, especially some real New York tea. I think you're the first. Yeah, we haven't had a real New York girl on. So you Mm -hmm. were there for it. So that was some real tea there. Um, So thank you for that, girl. Thank y'all. Don't forget to rate us and review us on the preferred podcast platform of your choice. Um, we were so happy. Um, we got some really fun stuff continuing to come down the line. I think, I'm not sure we're going to have another guest for a bit because, you know, we're getting to the, um, final, um, mm. runway. Um, the runway. For the <laughs> final runway. <laughs> that the final the runway. I, that wasn't it. That wasn't the word, but we're getting to the final stretch. Thank you of, um, the election. Like, that final runway between Miss mm. DJ JT. T and Joe Biden. Biden. Let's see them serve. No, it's not going to be fun, girls, but we're going to be with you for democracy. it. Um, <laughs> or not, <laughs> or not autocracy. Uh, um, I hope y'all stay safe, healthy, and saved out there. With that, we'll see you next week, Miss Devereaux. Take us out, honey. Yeah, girl. Just like Doctor E said, negotiate your safe sex practices, not just with you know the HIV and the gonorrhea, girl, but also <laughs> with the Corona. Negotiate, negotiate your safe sex. Absolutely. Negotiate it, girl. Yeah, have them yes. show you the test, girl. Yes. Okay. 
All right. All right. Bye, girls. Take care, everyone. 